0: Ephesians chapter 1 through 3, Ephesians 1 through 3, now listen to this, Paul emphasizes repeatedly to the believers in Ephesus of who they are in Christ. You will see the phrase in Christ repeatedly in chapters 1, 2, and 3. That's important to know. He gets to the end of chapter 3 as we have it. And then he says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything that we can ask or think according to his power, great power that works within us, to him be all praise and all glory. Now chapters four through six is all about how you're to live out this new identity that you have in Christ. Chapters one, two, and three. Identity, chapters 4 through 6, activity. This is who you are. This is how you're to live. Now, it's very interesting when you study. Chapter 4, verse 1, Paul writes, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Verse 17, do not walk like the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Chapter 5, verse 2, walk in love just as Christ loved you and gave himself for you. Verse 15, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Now, if you study the writings of Paul and the epistle writings, you'll get this. The word walk or the phrase walk and the term walk is one of his favorite metaphors. It's one of his favorite metaphors. And so as we do life, he's constantly talking about this is how you're to walk this out one day at a time, one step at a time, one moment at at a time. Now, this is very important because as you get to the end of chapter 5 on this whole walk thing, he goes, now, this is how you're to walk it out in marriage. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Uh, wives, respect your husbands. Now, you mutually submit and subject yourselves to Christ. You get to chapter 6. Children, here's how you're to walk it out as you obey your parents. Servants, here how, here's how you're supposed to walk it out as you deal with them, uh, whoever you work for. Masters, here's how you're to lead. He also covers fathers. Don't provoke your kids to anger. And when he finishes all of this, <clears throat> talking about this is how you're to walk, this is how you're to live it out. Then he pauses as we have in verse 10, and he says, then finally, finally, as you walk out this faith based on your identity in Christ, finally, be strong in the Lord. And the phrase be strong in the Lord means be strengthened in the Lord continually. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Paul would write in Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice, What is he saying? Rejoice. Find your strength. Find your identity. Find everything about you in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's what he says right here. In the power of his might means in the sovereign power and the dominion and the reigning rule that Christ has, make sure you're anchoring deep in him. Then he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against And stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers. Against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness. It's against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand, stand firm. Let me give you three thoughts and I want to break this down for you. One, be committed, he says. Be committed, be strong in the Lord. Here's here's something I've come to realize in my 30-plus years of walking with Jesus. Be continually strengthened daily, hourly, in this new identity that you have in Christ based on this relationship that you now have with the Father that was ushered in through the Holy Spirit and through personal faith and repentance. Be strengthened in that daily. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells inside of the new covenant believer. Did you, did you hear that? The same dunamis power that said, when the father said, Son, get get up out of the grave. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, when Jesus cries out, Eli Eli, Lama sabachthani," bows his head, and he gives up the spirit. That is the same spirit that lives inside of me. And so, God is calling us to be committed. God goes, I want you to know I love you. I cherish you. I'm for you. This is a battleground, not a playground you're living in. You've got to be committed. And so, if we ever start to get this foundation down, I'm telling you, it will change us. Second thing he says is, be equipped. Put on the full armor of God. The phrase armor of God literally translates the divine courage that comes from God. God has given us divine courage in himself. The courage that God spoke to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. You're my boy, Joshua. Yeshua. God is your salvation. He wants us to clothe ourselves daily in his divine courage. And so when we start to walk this out, he says, so that... So that you'll be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Now, I've established with you that Paul's favorite metaphor is walk. Walk with the Lord. Walk in the spirit. Walk clothed in humility. Walk clothed in the power of the gospel. Then he says, stand. He changes his metaphor to stand against the devil. Don't run from the devil. Don't bow down from the devil. Don't turn your back on him. When the enemy and evil oppositions come, you stand. You stand. You walk with Jesus. You walk in the spirit. But when you start getting bombarded with satanic attacks, it's time to stand. Why? Because the spirit of God inside of you is greater than the opposition and the enemy outside of you. We're going to break that down. Continue to put on your spiritual protection that God has provided. And he'll talk about the belt of truth. And the breastplate of righteousness and shod your feet with the gospel of peace. And he talks about the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith. And he talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We're going to break that down in weeks to come. But he says, I want you to put it on every day, every hour, every minute. Be clothed in my power. You will experience satanic opposition in this world. The enemy wants to eat your lunch. He wants to take you down. The enemy wants to destroy the works of God. He wants to discredit our testimony. He wants you ineffective and he wants you inactive. Satan wants to take you out. Be equipped. Third thing would be this. Be committed. Be equipped. Where there's no commitment, there is no equipment. If you're not committed, you're not getting equipment. You've got to work it out. You've got to stay with it. Third thing is know your enemy. Know your enemy. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, our battle is against demonic forces that are fighting in the spiritual realm. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is taking place daily in this cosmic realm where the spirits of darkness and demonic forces are fighting against the the angels of God in the kingdom of God, and it's happening up here in this cosmos. That's why when Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, we have to understand the importance of submitting ourselves to the lordship and leadership of Jesus. Jesus is above the chaos, but when we choose to live in the flesh, we are below the chaos. Makes sense. Makes sense. I want you to get this. So four basic truths about spiritual warfare. Number one, there is is an invisible war taking place right now. There is an invisible war. The cosmic war has eternal consequences. Lives are at stake. The enemy is going to attack us daily. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Satan knows our weakness. It would be important for us to know our weakness But it would also be important for us to realize that we're living in a fallen world where there's an invisible war taking place. When was the last time you went through some type of hostile uh, tension or even relational conflict and you really did know that it was satanic opposition that you were involved in? Make sense? When was the last time you went through some type of tension some type of relational discord and instead of blaming the person you go oh this is this is a battle going on right now because i think what oftentimes happens with evangelicals is we dismiss this whole invisible war concept satan is out to take my wife down satan is out to take my kids down satan is out to take my family down my friends down my coworkers down the thief comes to steal kill, and destroy. John 10, 10. I've come that you might have life, but the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. There's an invisible war. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to give you a ton of scripture today. But it says, though we walk in the flesh, that we do not wage war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Meaning you can't fight spiritual battles with fleshly Actions and fleshly tendencies. When you pray, when you're fasting and you're seeking the heart of God, there's oftentimes battles that have to be fought on your knees, on your face before God. Hey man, I wish you would go over there and talk to my friend. He's lost, man. I think he needs to hear from you. That battle probably needs to be fought on your knees first. I'm not the fourth member of the Trinity. I can't change anybody. And oftentimes, we neglect understanding this invisible war that's taking place. Listen to what he says right here in 2 Corinthians 4. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Who has blinded the eyes and the minds of unbelievers? What does he say right here in the text? The God, small g, of this world. Satan, himself, the devil, the enemy. He's blinding minds and blinding eyes every day. That's the world in which we live. You start to do life with other people, and you look, and you're going, they're just blind, man. They don't see the truth. And it's almost like that's the pulse of our nation right now. That's the heartbeat of our nation. We have so ignored God... We have so welcomed in whatever feels-good-do-it mindset that we've given Satan a foothold and a stronghold in this nation. It's crazy. So you've got to know it's an invisible war. Number two, we have an enemy that is real. Satan's goal is to destroy and discredit God's people any way he can. Satan is Lucifer. There were three angels you read about in Scripture. You might want to write this down. Three angels we read about in Scripture. Three angels. Now, Lucifer was the highest of all these created beings in the heavenlies that rebelled against God. Ezekiel, Daniel, other places we can go to kind of get a backdrop on really who he is. Now... Lucifer was in charge of worship in heaven and what Lucifer saw in regards to how God was being worshiped and adored, what he saw he wanted to become. So out of pride, he rebelled against God. He wanted to be like God. Now, if you go back to his initial lie that he told in the garden, it was, if you eat off this tree, you will become like God. That's been his lie all along. You don't need God. You can become your own God. You can be God. The second angel that we read about in scripture is an angel by the name of Michael. Every time Michael shows up, there's a scrap going on. Michael was an angel of war. He was a warrior. So when Michael shows up, there's a fight going down. And then the third angel would be Gabriel. Anytime Gabriel showed up, he was bringing a word on behalf of the Lord. So there's three angels really we read about. Lucifer, Michael, and Gabriel. Now, when we look at our enemy being real, we have to understand that our opponent is not people, places, and things. We're not fighting flesh and blood in this battle. You understand that? We're not fighting flesh and blood. Satan launches unbelief, deception, Uh, false religions, fear, persecution, all this kind of stuff he launches at the believers. He keeps the non-believer in darkness blind, but he has a plan with he and his demons to attack you and take you out of the game. And I've realized that over the years. My buddy Tommy Tabor, one of my prayer partners and accountability partners, I remember years ago when he and I first started hanging, he goes, he calls me money. He goes, money? Satan wants to take you out. Satan wants to take you out, dude. And I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you would stay humble. I'm praying that you will stay founded in the gospel. I'm praying that you would stay strong in the Lord. He wants to take you out. He wants to take me out, but he really wants to take you out. And I thought, he wants to take me out. He wants to terrify our souls daily. He wants to keep us in stable misery. He wants us living in continual confusion. You believe that? I do. I do. I, I believe that. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Your adversary prowls around like a roaring lion. And I remember years ago we were going through this situation And Barb had this vision as we were praying for this couple. This girl had left her husband for another girl, and it was all crazy. And Barb said, I saw in this vision this lion just walking around her house. God just kind of troubled her heart while she's sleeping. She got this vision. That lion's prowling around. We know this about a prowling around lion. All it's looking for is something to kill and something to eat. Any of us will do for the lion, Satan himself. When we become weak and we become tired and we become fatigued and we start traveling by ourselves and we find ourselves just kind of exhausted, if we're not careful, we open ourselves up for the lion to pounce on us. The lion. What what great imagery here? He prowls around. He's our adversary, the devil. He wants to take us out. He's looking for the right time. So many guys have been knocked down. and So many guys have been taken out in their marriages and out of ministry because that little pop-up on your iPhone and that little pop-up on your computer screen, and all of a sudden, man, before you know it, you find yourself in chains and in bondage. Do you realize one of the the most often conversation I have with guys and it's been happening for years but in the last five years of being in this church how you doing? I'm not doing too well and repeatedly guys go to sexual purity issues and pornographic pornonea sin issues whether it be internet whether it be videos, whether it be just imagery and I'm like And Satan will hit you and say, hey, 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 you deserve this. He knows your weakness. He knows what will take you out. And over the next weeks, I want to talk about breaking strongholds. I want to talk about victory over temptation. I'm going to deal for a couple of weeks just dealing with the whole topic of sexual purity. Every man's greatest battle. Why? Because I'm sick and tired of seeing guys and my friends and my brothers give Satan the opportunity to have a stronghold in their life. It is time that we reclaim surrendered ground. It's time for us to understand that we've got an enemy and he's real, and he wants to take us out. Jude chapter 9, Michael the archangel disputed with the devil and said, The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. I believe a lot of us need to drop our little safe Baptist persona, And we need to start moving into this deep spiritual understanding where we go, Satan, i rebuke you in Jesus' name. I claim the blood of Christ right now over me in this situation. But I think sometimes we're afraid to engage in the game. We're afraid to battle. Hollywood's done such a great job, and so has cartoons, depicting Satan as being some little dude in some little cute red uh, outfit with horns and a pitchfork. Can I tell you something? He's brutal. He's not some cute cartoon character that we're dealing with today. He is the manifestation and the representation of all evil and perversion in this world. And it's time for us to understand that we have an enemy that is real. Three, beware of your enemy, but don't fear him. Our responsibility is to be aware of Satan's methods, but not to be consumed by them. We need to be educated about his scheming. There's a ton of stuff in scripture. The scripture is very clear about Satan's agenda. Even Paul would write in 2 Corinthians 2, Do not allow Satan to take advantage of you, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. What, what, what are you talking about? What's his names? Just as God's got different names of Tessitkanu and Elohim and Rafa, there's different names referring to Satan. We'll, we'll break down a few of them here, but there's different names. We we can know a lot about an individual based on their name. But he says we're not ignorant of his schemes. My buddy Todd Weiner played right tackle with the Falcons for quite a few years got about 12 or 13 years in the NFL and the Falcons were getting ready to play the Carolina Panthers and I said wow right tackle you got to go up against Julius Peppers man he's one of the best in the game because he he's one of the best in the game I said he's a pro bowler he's a pro bowler yeah he, he, he's good and I said so you ready for him oh yeah I've been studying film for a while What are you saying? I've been studying my enemy. And then he said this. He said, Julius, he don't play every play. So what do you mean he don't play every play? He said he takes plays off. He said when he gets in his stance, he said if his hand is flat, he's relaxing and he's taking the play off. He said, but based on studying film, if he goes on his fingertips, he's going to bull rush me. He said, I don't have to play him every down, but I got to be engaged with him when he's ready to attack. But he doesn't know I've already studied him, and I know some of his tendencies. Oh, you know his tendencies. Do you know the enemy's tendencies? Do you know when he comes at you? What time of day? Where you're at? Who you're with. Do you know his tendencies? You've got to study and be aware of him, but you don't fear him. Some of the names, Lucifer, Beelzebub, the evil one, the tempter, prince of this world, accuser of the brethren. Here's what we know. Destroy and discredit God's people and keep lost people in the dark. Satan attacks the church. Let me give you some with false philosophies, false religions, false ministers, false doctrine. Listen to what he says here in Colossians 2 verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the traditions of men, according to elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. If your faith is built on living on borrowed convictions and hand me downs, you will have your lunch handed to you. If you don't know what you believe, why you believe it, uh, why you believe it, and how you've struggled through it to get to that belief, when a superior argument comes your way, you may get your lunch handed to you. When the JWs and Mormons come knocking on your door, if you don't know the fundamental arguments of your faith and even what Watchtower and Brigham Young and Joseph Smith and these cats teach, you might get your lunch handed to you. See to it that no one takes you captive through all these vain and empty philosophies. Hold on, what's your argument? What's the premise of your statement? What are you really saying? And I love to engage with people, not for the sake of proving them wrong, but to say, did you hear your argument right there? And so there's so many false philosophies out there, not only cults and other religions, but even under the umbrella of evangelical Christianity, they're not good philosophies. It's traditions of man. If you want to study a traditional religion, study study Catholicism. Study where it came from. Study some of the practices. I did a series last summer on that. I would love to give you my nine, ten pages of notes where you can go through it. But see to it that no one takes you captive. What are you saying? Satan attacks God's church with a lot of false philosophies. You can read these other passages here, but false doctrine. He said, it's the last hour. And just as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. Antichrists are coming? Yeah. They're going to come in the name of the Lord. Again, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Jesse, my son, and I watched that documentary on Friday night on Scientology, seeing Tom Cruise and all these cats, man, that have bought into that corrupt style of thinking that's absent of deity, absent of Trinity, absent of Christ. And I'm watching it going, man, my heart breaks that they've bought into such a belief system. False religions. John Travolta and all these cats. And I'm like, you've got to be careful. Satan attacks God's people. Study Daniel chapter 9. He will oftentimes seek to direct the governments, even of this world. He will deceive people. Back to 2 Corinthians 4, blinding the eyes. He will persecute the saints repeatedly. We know that. He destroys lives. Hebrews uh, 2.14, God's children Or human beings made of flesh and blood. Jesus also became flesh and blood by being born in human form so that he could die and break the power of the devil who had the power of death. He's like, I want to destroy your life. I want to disrupt you. I want to take you down. That's the reason years ago, man, as a non-believer, even listening to groups like ACDC and songs like Hell Ain't No Bad Place to Be, I was lost, and those kind of songs used to trouble me. What do you mean hell is not a bad place to be? What do you mean highway to hell? And I would listen to that going, no, 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 Satan wants lives destroyed. He knows his ultimate Location. He knows his ultimate resident. He will ultimately be cast into the lake of fire. What's he want to do? Just as when he was kicked out of heaven and he took a third of the angels with him, he wants to take people down. We've got an enemy. Planning doubt? Go back to Genesis 3. He's holding out on you, Eve. Check it out. You can be like God, provoking anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Anger? Satan will use anger, yes, resentment, unforgiveness, bitterness, and will get a stronghold in your life, even as a child of God. Pride, 1 Timothy 3, 6 says an elder must not be a new Christian because he might become too proudful, and the devil will use that pride to make him fall. Even Paul, when he writes to Timothy, laying out what the qualifications and a responsibility of an elder is to be, he goes, don't, don't put anybody in a leadership spot too quick. They, they may have passion, but they don't have a lot of proven track record. They ain't had enough battles in their life. Don't give him the ball in a crucial situation. He's scared, worry, discouragement, lying, immorality Satan is the mastermind behind all this stuff and I want you to get this I want you to take this handout and I want you to go home this week and I want you to calm through this and I want you to realize there is an invisible war taking place right now there is an enemy and he is real but you need to be aware of him just don't fear him because because greater is he so Satan's power is limited He is a created being, he's not infinite, and he is not omniscient. Our God is sovereign. Our God is omniscient. Our God is omnipresent. Our God is in charge and control of all things. Satan's got limited power. That's the reason we memorize this verse. Memorize this verse, James 4, 7. Submit to God. Submit to God resist the devil and he will flee from you it doesn't say resist the devil and he will flee it says submit to god submit to the lordship and leadership and the power of the gospel this is a war we're living in now here's what i would say point number four this is a war and i want us all prepared for battle but here's what i want you to hear we fight from Victory, not for victory. I'm already on the victorious team. I belong to the victor. Nay, in all things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. I've read the last pages of the book of Revelation. We win the war. I just want to win as many battles day in and day out as I can. My king holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. I'm on the winning team, but I want to be engaged in the battle every day. I'm not fighting for victory today. I'm fighting from victory today. I'm in Christ, and Christ is in me, and that's the hope of glory. So we fight from victory. 1 John 4, 4. 1 John 5, 4. Listen. You belong to God, and greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. He goes on to say, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory, even our faith. What is the victory you have? My faith in King Jesus. The object of my faith is the key to my journey. People say, man, you just got to have faith. That's not true. You can have faith in trees and puppies and anything else. The object of your faith is crucial on where you're going in this journey. Where are you going? I belong to Jesus. My faith is in King Jesus. We were driving back from Noonan a few weeks ago, Patrick and Nick and I, and a guy from Kansas City had had sent me an email and asked if we we could talk. He was doing an article on my friend Dayton Moore, who is the GM uh, for the Royals. And as I was doing this interview I, I, I told Patrick and these guys when we hung up, I said, did you hear that? Because this guy said, now, Dayton's faith is important to him. I said, that's not a complete statement. He goes, what do you mean? I said, Dayton's faith in Jesus Christ alone is important to him. I said, so when you write this article, I know you'll be taking a chance in the Kansas City Star, but I would highly encourage you not just keep it kind of a a, a neutral statement. I said, pull the throttle back and say his faith in Christ is what sustains him. And he sent me the article as it was published. And he said, and Dayton's faith in Jesus Christ. And I said, good for him for writing that article. Because greater is he, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory, even our faith. Revelation twelve eleven says, and they, the believers, overcame him, the accuser of the brethren, through the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, despising not even their own lives to the point of death. How do you overcome? Through the blood of the lamb. Behold the blood of Christ that takes away all sin through the word of my testimony. You don't have a testimony without having some tests and moans in it. It is a testimony. And you go, how did you get that testimony? I had to struggle it out loud every day. How did you overcome it? I got to the place where I did not even fear my life, that dying was okay with me. Now, I want you to open your bulletin. I want you to take out this hard card. We put this on a heavier stock for you. And I I do want you to have this. The world in which we live is a battleground. It's not a playground. This is war. And I would challenge you to take this. I will be committed and I will be equipped. I personalize the text for me in my notes. I will be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I will put on the full armor of God so that I will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. I believe Jesus Christ provides the only way for a relationship with Christ and my identity is anchoring in him. Thus, one, I will practice a consistent, quiet time and intimate time with Jesus. I will consistently read and study the Bible. Now, we're talking about being prepared for battle. When making choices, I will always seek the Lord's guidance first. I believe the Bible is God's word and provides direction and stability for my life. I will memorize one scripture verse a week, minimally, minimumly. If the only offensive thing that I have in doing battle with the enemy is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, I want to hide as much of that in my heart as I can. I would challenge you even go further. I even wrote here, take notes from the sermons, determine how the biblical truths apply to your personal life. When you sit here, don't write stuff down, fold it up and put it in your Bible and don't look at it anymore. Proclamation is for the purpose of transformation, not just information and education. Take it, study it, dive into it. There's a lot of meat in this bulletin this week. I will evaluate all cultural ideas by God's truth and by God's word. I will answer questions about life and faith from God's word. I am replacing impure negative thoughts with God's truth. I choose to demonstrate honesty in my actions and conversation. When the Bible exposes an area of my life that's needing change, I will respond immediately. The Bible is the guide for the way I think and the way I act. My relationship with Christ is motivated by love, not by fear of duty. When God resp- reveals his specific will in an area of my life, I will follow his leading. My actions demonstrate a desire to build God's kingdom rather than my own. Come on, somebody. I will trust Christ to help me through, my, uh, through any problem or crisis I face. I will remain confident of God's love and of his provision even during difficult times. Welcome to the war. Now, this is just some backdrop foundational style thinking that I want you to have. Now, I wrote this thing last summer, and I got to looking at it again this week, thinking about this as war. We were on vacation. I was sitting there pondering thought last summer, and I wrote, God is sovereign. He's the same still today. Extending his grace, he will have the last say. I pledge my allegiance to the Lamb that was slain, The supreme authority, holy his name. Our nation has tilted, truth is on trial, the church appears silent and lives in denial. What's wrong is called right, absolutes we slay. Morality suffers in feudal decay. It started with prayer being kicked out of school, evolution applauded, it became the new rule. Gideon Bibles, we see them no more. The creator of all has it been ignored. The courts violated the laws of the land, caving to pressure while appeasing the man. Rainbow colors waving with pride, hearts are deceived, darkness inside. Roe versus Wade claimed to give people choice while millions of babies were given no voice. Eliminate life is the scheme straight from hell. Lies and deception seem to prevail. But God remains sovereign. He's the same still today. Extending his grace, he has the last say. I pledge my allegiance to the lamb that was slain, my supreme authority, holy his name. Why should our God bless this land while the nation rejects his perfect commands? Forget you, God, it's the song being sung while so many Christians are silent and numb. I refuse to do nothing while this war rages strong, rescued from sin, to him I belong. He's the lion that conquers my King and my Lord. I'll declare Jesus only until time is no more. You deserve my allegiance, my Savior, my friend. I'll praise you forever and forever. Amen. God remains sovereign. To him will I pray. The angels are shouting Yahweh, Yahweh. I pledge my allegiance to Jesus, my King.